Howdy, and welcome to Your Dog's Best Life. This is Leanne with my special guest today, Fluffy Nicholas. She owns Journey Agility, but she's not going to be talking about agility today. We are going to talk about, well, a really fun thing, but we're going to let her introduce herself first so you kind of get an idea of who she is, and then we're going to jump right in. Hi, Fluffy. Hi, Leanne. I'm Fluffy. I um, have lots of dogs, and I like to do lots of things with my dogs. I do agility and scent work and tricks, and then I started doing bike drawing with my dogs, and we have a bunch of fun doing it, and we try really hard not to die. And that's what we're here to talk about, because (laughs) for those of you who have been following my podcast for a while, you know I have a little demon spawn border collie puppy named Matilda, who is like a rocket. And I'm thinking of attaching a rocket to my bicycle. And part of me wonders if perhaps that may not be smart. (laughs) But (laughs) nevertheless, I'm thinking if Fluffy can do it and she hasn't died, perhaps we all have hope. (laughs) (laughs) So when did did you get started with the? I guess we probably should say what the sport is. Sure. Uh, It's deranged. It's this deranged. So it comes from ski joring which I believe the Norwegians came up with because they have a long winter and they had horses and they had skis. And as a kid, I used to love ski joring. I wanted to do it with my own horse, which is you attach, this is, this is so cowboy. You attach a, a ski rope to the horse, or I guess, yeah, a ski rope to the horse. You put yourself on skis and you gallop the horse up and down, and you are effectively water skiing on snow, which I would be face skiing on snow because I don't snow ski. At the time, I owned horses, and I was a kid, and so my bones mended quickly. So we didn't have skis or snow. What we did have is a tire, and so we jerry-rigged our own ski joring with a tire, which I believe now is called tubing with horses, and it is a thing. So we invented that, so whoever's making money it's us. We just didn't have snow. So we had dirt and it would pile up behind the tire and make it really slow. <laughs> kind of sucked. But anyway, bike joring is just moving along with technology and we use dogs. So we are less likely to die than a horse. And you essentially tie your dog to your bicycle. And then I guess pray to the bicycle gods that you don't die. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's my back of the notepad description of the sport. And Fluffy took it up. When when did you take up bike drawing with your dogs? It was just before COVID. So what is that? 2019? Yeah. 20. Or 100 years ago. One or the yeah. other. 2020, <laughs> I think. Okay. So right, right before. So go ahead and give us a little description of what dog you started with and what equipment you needed and how you went about going and getting it and where you started. Sure. Um, Well, I have this really cool and crazy friend who likes to try new things. And so we were on vacation over New Year's and she was doing something called Iron Paws, which is um, it's a dry land. Well, I guess they also allow um, snow sports, but it's a it's just a league online where you track your miles and share with people. And so one of the things that she had to do for Iron Paws was to take a friend out. And so I was that friend (laughs) and I was like, this is crazy. You're going to (laughs) die. She had like a Walmart (laughs) bike and like, I I think she did it with her Malinois and maybe her, she has a Malinois or a shepherd Husky mix. 
And um, so I did it with my Malinois first. And, um, and I was like, oh, this actually is really fun. And I used to race mountain bikes competitively. So I have some skills. So I was like, well, maybe you really aren't going to die. Although potentially you could die, but so she helped me because she had, she had done all the research into the equipment. So she knew where to get, you know, what kind of harnesses and um, all that stuff. So she helped me get into it. And I actually bought a bike that year. And remember that year was when you couldn't find bikes because of COVID. So I had to get mine. I don't even remember. We like begged this bike shop in Idaho to like pack it up and send it. I don't even remember. But I love my bike now. It's amazing. And you know, there is a potential to die. But if you have things like disc brakes, right, less potential to die. (laughs) So yeah, like that's why. Yeah, she's got she's gotten a new bike since the Walmart bike because you can't I would not recommend going out with with just some random bike, you need a good, you need good equipment and know how to ride a bike so you don't die. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. So, and, and actually that's interesting. Cause I used to be a competitive mountain biker too, but I've gotten really fat and out of shape. And so this is part of an excuse to get me less fat and less out of shape. And so, and I actually already have the bike, which is nice. So what equipment do you, so you talked about a harness and I think we do need to spend a little bit of time on harnesses because this is not the PetSmart harness that you're using. You're right. using a very specific style harness to ensure that the dog has freedom of movement through the shoulders and is pulling properly uh, below the throat. So they're pulling on their sternum and with their chest rather than strangling themselves on the end of the leash. The right. Yeah. There are a million kinds of harnesses out there. Maybe not a million, but there's a lot. And it if you're running off breeds like not Alaskan Huskies it's sometimes hard to fit like border collies aren't built like Alaskan Huskies and neither are Malinois so I tried a bunch of harnesses before I found some that I actually liked which kind of sucks because you know they're not cheap but since I decided I wanted to race and be competitive I knew I needed you know like things that don't choke my dog or rub them on their under their armpits or whatever so some of the the nice big companies, Howling Dog Alaska has good stuff. And they have some kind of half harnesses that aren't X-backs that will fit off breeds. Like I have a Border Collie Staffy mix that I run. And like, it's insane trying to fit harnesses to her. I tried to have someone custom make me a harness. And they didn't. She was like, why is the neck so big and the rest so small? And I'm like, because it's a Staffy mix. <laughs> and like... Bless her heart, she tried. I mean, the harness—it would not, it didn't fit. Like it wasn't even close. So I gave it to my boyfriend, and he made a sling for one of his rifles with it. So yeah, like uh, you kind of have to do some experimenting and pre- be prepared to get on some Facebook groups or whatever and ask other people what they're using for that specific breed of dog. So I found harnesses that I like. Finally, nonstop. Dogwear has good harnesses, and then there are some companies that make X-backs, and they'll make custom ones if you have an off-breed. So a harness is super important. <laughs> One of the things I didn't know when I first started was when you fit your dog to a harness, you have to get them to stand and pull back on the, the line as if they were attached to your bike so that the harness is in tension. So when you're fitting it, it's not just like, how does it go around their neck, but it put it in tension and then, okay, does it fit? Is it long enough? Is it too short? 
you know, how's it fitting around their shoulders and their armpits. Um, so that's important. And how did you get the information for this? Was this your friend helped you? Did you buy a book? Did you go online and, and Google stuff? Did you find a good Facebook group? I mean, when you saw it in tension, I mean, how did you eyeball and know what you were looking at? Yeah, I, my friend helped me. And then, and there's, I don't know, three or four really good Facebook groups. I don't remember. I can't think of their names offhand. I'll have to try to think of them or I can go look them up. But they they will help you fit like you can they will help you fit them like you can take a picture of the harness under tension and post it and then people will weigh in like yay or nay. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be perfect. Right. Like we're not running Iditarod distances like the average bike drawer person is probably doing two to five miles. The cool thing about bike drawing or any pulling sport is that you cannot force your dog to pull. Like I have literally, I mean, our dogs included, me and my friend, uh, they will stop. They will literally stop. And you're like, okay, I'm kind of out here now with my bike and I have to pedal because <laughs> my dog is done. So if, you, if your harness isn't fitting well or whatever, your dog might also tell you by acting uncomfortable or just not being willing to pull. But I think that's kind of cool because you can't force your dog to do it. It's not like agility or some of the other dog sports where you can like kind of encourage your dog to go out there and do it against their will. If they don't want to pull, they don't. They just stop. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, if I I know what would happen if I hitched a if I put a harness on my livestock guardian dog and placed her in front of my bike, she'd just be a big fluffy uh, you know, jump from my bike. <laughs> Yeah, you can't force them. Yeah, and most of my dogs, and the reason I would use Matilda is because most of my dogs have never worn a harness. And when I tried putting them on a carpet mill, they'd never pulled on a harness. They'd never worn a harness before, and they'd never pulled on a harness, and they just were perplexed. They were just like, I don't understand how to pull on anything. But Matilda came with the glorious bad habit of pulling like a freight train. So <laughs> yeah. I'm like, let's put this to work. <laughs> so what cues, I mean, what, obviously you don't just hook your dog up, pray to whatever gods you need to pray to, and then go. Presumably you have, there's training of some ilk and cues or something along those lines. Yeah. Like, for example... I have some dogs that find harnesses aversive also. Like my dog Peep, he you put it on him and he he does the like U-shaped back, like, you know, yoga pose where he's like, ah, things are yeah, things are touching me in places <laughs> that they shouldn't be touching. So I've done a lot of kind of desensitization to that. And um it's better, but I mean I don't think a harness is his favorite thing. So you can always work on just putting your dogs in harnesses and not hooking them to something so they just get used to wearing it. And a lot of bike joring or canicross people will do that if they're in an area where they can allow their dog to free run. Obviously, I'm not suggesting people let their dog off leash, you know, in an urban environment. But if you're out in the middle of nowhere and it's safe, letting your dog free run on harness is a good way for them to kind of just get used to it. And then I, I learned, obviously my friend had already spent some time teaching her dog. So if you can, if you have a dog already, you know, someone who has a dog that's trained, you can hook your dog up with that dog because that dog will know the, the cues and will help the other dog learn the cues. You can oh, also do the thing, right? You can also, it's easier to start, I think, by using a canicross belt and just doing it 
by walking or running and teaching your dog the cues because you don't have to get off your bike and then go and fix whatever they did wrong and then get back on. You're right there already standing with them. So you can teach some of the cues that way, which I think I did a little bit of that. And mostly I just winged it because I felt like my mountain biking skills were good enough that I potentially wouldn't die. <laughs> and uh, and my dogs have, I mean, I'm not trying to brag, but they have pretty good cues. I've I've kind of had to emergency this or that once in, once in a blue moon and they've responded. So I know that I'm not just getting lucky and they're following the trail or whatever, like they're actually listening. And when I did, I did that race this fall up in Flagstaff. I had, I borrowed two already trained Alaskan Huskies to run on the rig and they ran in lead position. And then Fizz, my border call, I ran in wheel position. He's used to running lead, but the, okay. the Huskies weren't going to run wheel. So I had to switch them. And those Huskies were trained using the actual real words that mushers you, which is like use, which is G and ha. And um, I don't actually know any of the others. <laughs> I, I just trained using <laughs> yeah, left and right. <laughs> like, yeah, like I don't need extra freaking words. So I use left and right. And, and yeah, that's what I would do. Easy. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Like, um, yeah. Don't make my life hard. Exactly. Come on. So I wrote it. I wrote in Sharpie on my hand. Um, so I would remember which way was G and which way was Ha, which I don't remember right now because I don't use them. So I had to give double cues. Even though Fizz wasn't oh. in lead, I didn't want him. Like if I just say Ha, like those dogs know what it is, but he doesn't have a clue. So I had to give both cues so that they, you know, both both dogs, both sets of dogs knew what was happening. <laughs> it was a little complicated. <laughs> But it was fun. Yeah, I liked sounds, it a lot. Complicated. Yeah. So what? Uh, what was I going to say? So the first. So so you need right and left. Ideally. Yeah, you need. Yep, you need directionals, and you you don't just need directionals like 90, 90 degree turn right or left, but you also need an over left or an over right, especially if you're going to be running on dogs on trails where there's going to be other people, or you need to pass or be passed. So I see like a pullover. Yeah. uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So over right means that you're just, you're not doing a hard turn. You're just getting over that direction. Um, Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't, I'm probably, I'm a little pessimistic that dogs know all the things we tell them to do, but they figure it out, which is fine. (laughs) You know, it's kind of, I mean, it's it's probably pretty self-evident if you're on a road and there's a berm on the side and you say, go right. They're going to say, well, obviously you're not going to ask me to climb the berm. Right. So I'll go as right as reasonable and then I'll keep going. It's like, you know, when I'm asking my dogs to make a circle around the sheep and there's a fence there, they're like, there's a fence. So we're going to go to the fence and that's as far as we're going to go. Right. We're not going to climb the fence. Yeah. You idiot human. You forgot about the fence. Yeah. (laughs) So... So you, so you bring, you, so you take, you have to tell everybody their, your Malinois name that you started this with. Cause I love this dog's name. Oh, derp. <laughs> She's a derp too. She's such a derp. That's an example of a dog that she won't pull. You would think Malinois. Really? No. Wow. Nope. I can do a mile, two miles. That's it. That's it. And, and then she's and like, peace she, out. I'm done. She, she won't pull the rig. I have no idea why I don't, she doesn't like the rig. Yeah. It's weird. Dogs are very, 
you know, specific in their wants and needs sometimes. And I just, I go with it. Like I, I could probably train it, but I don't, I have so many other dogs. I just run somebody else that wants to do it. Well, why? Yeah. I mean, yeah. the point is that she's supposed to like it too. Yeah. She's, yeah. So <laughs> she's like, I didn't sign up for this. Mm-mm. So the dog, so which is the dog you do you, and now you're doing a couple dogs at a time. I mean, you're doing yeah. multiple dogs. So obviously I would start off with just the rocket. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I would probably, I would consider getting a can across belt or, or you could, you know, okay. get a make one and a harness and yeah. teach her some of the get cues yeah, on the flat. And then, and then some of the other equipment you need, you need an antenna for your bike, okay. which they, they, some people make ghetto ones with pool noodles, but I would not recommend that. I would just get an antenna they're not that expensive because um, otherwise, you know, the potential to die increases with each decision making thing that you make. Yeah. I was already trying to figure out because I know, I know in Alaska, they'll take the motors out of ATVs yeah. and then use the ATV body. And I'm like, which of my ATVs doesn't need a motor? Because they'll have four wheels, which makes death less likely. So, yeah. <laughs> because for some reason I want to live. So <laughs> where was I going with this? Oh, so we probably should tell people what the hell Canacross is. Canacross is another sport that where you run with your dog. So everybody's seen at PetSmart, they've seen those leashes with the random piece of bungee in the middle, which I personally as a dog trainer loathe, but those are actually not designed just to teach your dog to pull harder. They're actually a really good tool you attach a harness, like a climber's harness, harness probably that's fairly comfortable to your ass, for lack of a better term. And then your dog kind of half pulls you down the road running or walking or hiking or what have you. So you start teaching that idea of pulling out, right? That's the idea is you start teaching the dog to kind of line out on the line, pull, get into the harness and pull. And then from at a walk, you can teach your dog right, left, pull over right, pull over left stop, which I think might be valuable. Oh yeah. Stop is good. And and don't stop randomly because you smell the cool dead animal in the middle of the road. Let's just keep going. (laughs) Let's not run you over with a bicycle and do a header. Yeah. I think a lot of, most dogs, if dogs enjoy pulling and running, you're not going to have problems with don't smell the dead animal on the road. Your hardest problem with dogs who like to pull is getting them to stop. So, you know, people will figure that out. I think once they start getting into it that <laughs> <laughs> after you see them go screaming by stop yeah, let yeah. Me stop. <laughs> the stopping is the hard one oh that's hilarious so, so so tell us a little bit about your adventure so you go out you get a, you get a bike with disc brakes and as a mountain we're both we're both mountain bikers and as a mountain biker i can say that even when i switched from the old uh, caliper brakes to the disc brakes about 15 years ago, the difference is literally night and day. I mean, it is vast. So if you own an old mountain bike with the, with the, the caliper brakes that just squeeze the tires, those are very soft. And especially first, the thing is if you just go get your bike out of the garage and it's been sitting there for six years, that rubber hardens and stops gripping, get rid of them, get new ones, but better yet, Go to your bike shop, hand over, hand over a couple grand, 
and get a new bike with with high quality braking systems because those those are so much more powerful for these for these mountain bikes. So I I take it you didn't start on trails. Did you start on like on like dirt roads where you have longer straightaways and wider places to aim? Or did no. you start right away on single track? Yeah, um, just because that's what's available near my house, um, which probably might not have been smart, but it was fine. I, I would recommend starting on dirt roads or wider trails. Single track is hard, obviously, especially when you have dogs. But yeah, anything dirt you can run dogs on. We have run dogs on a little bit of paved surfaces, but we try not to do it a lot because bad for pads and bad for joints. But sometimes when you're doing trails that are connected by a little bit of pavement and that's okay. It's just, you don't want to set out for a five mile run just on pavement. Or at least I wouldn't do that. There might be people who do that. I don't know. But. Yeah. I don't think I'd feel totally comfortable yeah. with that. Just because I know as a runner, I know the difference between running on trails and running on pavement is, yeah. is huge. Who did you start off with? You started off with. Yeah. I started with Derp. And but then how did it, did you have cues to start with when you started or did you just kind of bank on what you already already know. Are there directional cues in agility? Did you already have some of the right left stuff for agility? Yeah. Because I don't know anything yeah, but I don't think it, it doesn't. You don't think it transferred? No, God, no. <laughs> um, I mean, I just ran a bunch with my friend and I also, when I, when I would hook a dog up to the bike, I would let a dog run free and they'll run ahead. So the dog hooked up to the bike has a little motivation to chase the other dog that's running free. Again, wouldn't do that Anywhere where you're not allowed to have off-leash dogs, be smart. But that way the dogs are following. And so they see the directions the dog ahead of them is taking. And I just added the cues as they were coming up to the turns. And they figured it out really fast. I mean, they're motivated to stay on the trail anyway. Because I think dogs, most dogs have self-preservation. Maybe not derp. Yeah, here. Especially here. Yeah, there's a lot of cactus. Yes, cactus here. and yeah. stickery plants and who knows, yeah. It's just hard going off the trail. They figured it out. And the way I would test it is I would go one direction around my trails and then I would I would go a different direction or add in another loop. So they it wasn't just that they were memorizing the turns. It was like, okay, now we're going the other direction. So you actually have to listen because I want to go straight here, which is called on by and not turn. And if they, you know, sometimes they'll make a mistake, but you just put the brakes on and and give them an easy cue and then redirect them to go on by. They figure it out. You know, they want, most dogs want to run. So if they want to run, they're highly motivated to keep going. So if you just put a little bit of brake pressure on, they'll be like, okay, don't turn, go straight, come running again. (laughs) So how much do your dogs weigh? Is there a, is there a weight limit to this sport or, I mean, cause you're pedaling along. So I mean, I'm pedaling, but I would say most of the time you're on the brakes. My my oh, my okay. boyfriend comes out with Marla and I when we run dogs, and he hates it because he literally cannot keep up. He can't keep up because they're going so fast. You're on the brakes. Uh, yeah, like you're not pedaling. You're you're helping them out if they get tired. You're helping them out on hills or anywhere where there's elevation. There's not a lot of like, like for me, it's actually not a good workout because besides like the yeah. adrenaline <laughs> and, and, yeah, the and your heart, the balance. <laughs> yeah. It's not like mountain biking. <laughs> it's cheating. 
It's so, cheating. It's yeah. like having a motor. Yes. Um, so how much does your border collie weigh? Okay. So Fizzy, Fizz is actually huge for border collie. I think he's probably around 45 pounds. My other border collies are all smaller. The The huskies that I ran at the race were probably right around there, 40, 45 pounds. The, the thing to have nowadays for sprint racing are Alaskan husky greyhound mixes. It adds a little bit of bone and mass to the mix. And so they're bigger. So probably 60, 65 pound dogs. But you don't want, if you get them too big, they can't cool themselves, right? So you can't do it with like just a pure greyhound because they're too big and they can't cool themselves off. So you need a dog between, I don't know, 40 and 65, 70 pounds. I'm not an expert, but. Yeah, Matilda doesn't weigh that much. Yeah, well, I've done it. My staffie pulls me. I mean, I'll go out. She's 25 pounds. And I oh, obviously, okay, yeah, I don't take her on a 10-mile ride just herself. She's always either hooked mm-hmm. with another dog or if I take her by herself, it's a two-mile, right? She could, And she also mm-hmm. has a hard time cooling herself because she's staffie. That dog would literally run until – she would run until she died. Like, that dog won't stop, like, derp. She's just like, let's go, baby. So too bad she's not bigger. <laughs> She'd be awesome. <laughs> um, I raced her with my friend's dog at the at the dryland race. They did awesome, but they're just not competitive because the other people in two-dog bike had two gigantic, you know, 60-pound Alaskan Husky mixes. So can't, can't compete with staffy <laughs> mix with that. But no. you can do it with a... <laughs> With a smaller dog, you just have to be careful. I wouldn't recommend smaller than 20 pounds, and I certainly wouldn't recommend any dog who, like a Corgi or Valhoon type that has long back or if they're too too bracky and can't breathe. You know, I wouldn't do a dog like that, but your average pet dog could, could do it. Just have to be careful. You're not doing 10-mile runs. Right. And what uh, what Fluffy means by brachy is brachycephalic, which means that they're sorry, yeah. smushed face dogs. No worries, smushed face dogs, and even dogs that we don't think of as being smushed face. So, like an example would be um, when we think of smushed face, we we all go to Pekingese and Boston Terriers, and the ones who are so smashed that you can't even they cannot even breathe. But remember that that like she's saying, like your pit bull types, a lot of those are getting quite, some of them have a lot of brachycephalic features. They don't have that longer, narrower head. And that allows that dog to thermoregulate appropriately. So even dogs like that you would think would be very, very healthy and normal for running, long distance running, uh, have been turned somewhat brachycephalic. A perfect example would be the uh, Rottweiler. Yeah, Rottweilers now have these ginormous heads and these real short noses. And because of that, they cannot thermoregulate because dogs thermoregulate only through panting and sweating through their pads of their feet. So that really does compromise their ability to do a lot of these sports. Doesn't mean they cannot. It means you have to be very aware of the temperatures and the weather and your dog's fitness level and make sure that your dog's not carrying even an extra ounce of fat because that really compromises their ability to to move. Um, Speaking of sweating through their feet, do you use little booties or not? I have booties. I have used them when somebody gets a torn pad. If you use booties, you're always supposed to put 
like say you have a torn pad on the left foot, you also need to put a booty on the right foot so they don't run lopsided. But I haven't, I don't use them regularly, partially because I'm lazy, I guess, and partially they just don't need it. But I have them. I mean, you should always have, I think you should always have booties anyway in the desert because who the hell knows what you're going to encounter sticker wise or hot pavement wise or whatever. Yeah. Rock, jaggedy rocks. Yeah. And for snow, which certainly not an expert (laughs) trying to get my, (laughs) trying to get the Husky people that I met at the dry land race to have me up next month to learn about sledding. We'll see how it goes. But I know that there's some types of snow that can be very abrasive. So you have to be more careful and use booties more often. I think for snow, depending on the type of snow. Yeah, I don't understand. You know, we're, you know, you and I are in the same boat when it comes yeah. to snow. I've heard of it. I've seen right. it. Yeah, it's something but... white. Yeah. <laughs> uh. But I remember a long, long time ago when I was a kid, I lived in Fort Collins, Colorado. And the one issue I came across was snow with my little border collie mix that I had then. We were cross-country skiing, and she was just running along with us. And she would get snowballs stuck on the fur in between her little tootsies so bad yeah and that was so i you know after that i learned that you had you should put vaseline there and that's an old school thing i'm not recommending it because i this was like 1980 something and that was like the recommendation from the next door neighbor so this is not (laughs) this is on the same par with the advice quote unquote that you get on facebook groups so take it with a grain of salt I'm sure that would work though. Yeah. Cause yeah. I did it with my Marema sheepdog when we had snow up here for a couple of days and she started getting little pad stucks. I put Vaseline on her, but she wasn't exercising really hard and I wasn't worried about the long-term, you know, blah, 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 blah of cooling with her feet. Uh, but it is something to be aware of if you're in snow country, but if you're in snow country, you need to talk to folks who are also in snow country. Yeah. Not to people who are like, huh, We've seen it on the mountains. It snowed here recently. We saw it. It was very pretty. <laughs> it's a lovely picture of the mountains around us that are covered in this white stuff that we visit and take pictures of and talk about. And that's it. So, um, yeah. Okay, any other advice or any good stories about your adventures and or misadventures with this new sport that you've been doing for the last, what, year and a half, it sounds like. So, yeah. Um. I don't know. We've had a lot of adventures. My, We ordered a three-wheel race rig from this gentleman who makes them in, I think he's in Minnesota, Michigan, one of those places, Wolf Track. And it is super lightweight, aluminum. It's meant for racing. You can hook up a team. So I've, you know, I'm crazy. I'll hook dogs up to anything, wear my helmet and go out. Which reminds me, helmet. That's the first thing people need if they're going to get on a bike with dogs. Um, Yes. And good health insurance and or life insurance. Yeah. Well, I don't have that, but helmet. (laughs) Um, So anyway, we we took it out to, I think the first place we went with it was Big Bear, which has, you know, it's a mountain, pretty rugged, up and down. So I don't think that that was the best place to go run dogs. <laughs> but it's crazy because you don't think about this. If you're running on single track, a three-wheeled rig doesn't really fit, right? Because it's a single no, track. I so. And it has two yeah. wheels in the back and one in the front. So we're like, all right, well, we'll go out on the Forest Service roads. Well, the problem is Forest, Forest Service roads have that middle 
area where the tires don't go, which is filled with rocks, sticks, holes, whatever, I seriously almost died. And it has front suspension and disc brakes. And I was crouched as low as I could get, just bouncing along. I don't know how I didn't come off. It was crazy. So we decided never to take it back there. (laughs) That sounds... So, it was so crazy. Was it three wheels, two in the front, one in the back, or two in the back, one in the front? Yeah, two in the back, one in the front. Oh, yeah, that is a sketchy. <laughs> that, that's super sketchy. Right. Four wheels would actually be better, but right, they make those things to race. Like, it's not designed just to go out in the middle of nowhere. Right. So I was totally like, right. oh my God, this is insane. So from now on, <laughs> we scout. We scout the roads before we run the rig because the potential to die with the rig is like exponential compared to the bike. You're going See, faster, you know, you have more dogs. Three wheels. Yeah, yeah it's scary. Three wheels. So how many dogs are you running um, now? I mean, when you're, when you, I mean, do is it random? Do you, and is it one of those things where, let's say you decide, you know, you're camping or what have you, and you've got all the dogs with you or some of the dogs with you. Do you attach derp to start with and then let him off partway because or she let her off partway because she's like peace out and then she runs next to the bike for the rest or I mean how does that go yeah I I try to rotate who runs so they all get to get exercise so I just rotate who I hook up and yes if I I might start with two dogs on the bike but if it's derp I usually let her off I you want to let them off before they get tired and stop so you're not reinforcing like, right. oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I I just rotate them. I, I used to hook up. I've hooked up four dogs to my bike two times. And if you want to die, that's how you do it. The, <laughs> the disc brakes at some point, just they just can't hold that much power. It was very scary. So I don't do that anymore. The rig is much better about holding. You can hold the line. And we've hooked up, I think we hooked up eight dogs to the rig once. Oh, my God. We had, yeah, we had to use two line, you know, her line, Marla's line and my line. And some of the dogs really hated it. We didn't go very far. We were just messing around. But that's another good way to die. But people run. At the race, people ran. I mean, eight, 10 dogs, but they had really heavy rigs. Like you said, an ATV that they've gutted or something that they've made. Whereas that, that rig that I run is it's as light as a bike. I wouldn't, oh, I wouldn't want to no. do a race with that many dogs hooked to that thing. Cause again, you're going to die. It was scary just running the three, the three dogs, the two Huskies and Fizz. They did awesome. We, I think we came in third place. Like, oh wow! Yeah, Good against job. like guys, and the, everybody else had four dog teams. We we were we were doing amazing. It was awesome. Oh, that sounds like fun. Yeah, it was fun. If you don't die, well, yeah. Rule, rule number one: don't die. Don't die. Don't die. <laughs> <laughs> I tell my clients that, that all the time. <laughs> don't die. That would be yeah. Uh, was it that that which does not kill you makes you stronger? Yeah. Yeah. I used to say that all the time when mountain biking. Exactly. Usually with a lot of F-bombs yeah. sprinkled in between because I felt it was more important. Because I'd only say that when I, I would never say that when I was going down a hill, when I was bombing down a hill. Right. It's always and, going up. You know, it was up. It's like, okay, I'm going to die here. Well, you're not dead. You survived. <laughs> it's like, well, but did I enjoy it? No, not really. Um, <laughs> 
So outside of the cost of a bike, which of course can be up to you guys, because bikes, they are vastly different in, in, in their bikes. They're expensive. I mean, I own a very, very nice bike, but that's because I was a, a I raced them. And I have full suspension front. Now, does your bike, your bike has suspension, I take it, in Arizona? Yeah, front suspension. I, I would like to upgrade to get full suspension, especially if I'm going to keep racing with dogs. Okay. And so I, I have full suspension. Yeah, I have a scooter, a two-wheel scooter that I race also. And it does not have front suspension. And I it's fat tire. And it's horrible. I, how did people ever ride anything without front suspension? I have no idea. It just trashes my shoulders. So I'm actually on the list to get a new scooter that has front suspension. I don't recommend doing anything without front suspension. Yeah. When I started mountain biking, there was no such thing as suspension. Right. Well, there was. It had just started, but it was so expensive and heavy that kind of no one had it. Right. But so now I don't ever want to go back. I don't want to go no. back. No. <laughs> No, and I remember I, the first time I sat on, I started off mountain biking. I, I had never owned a road bike. I'd always owned mountain bikes. And when I sat my first road bike, when I started doing triathlons, and I thought, oh, I should probably do at least one on the road so I look like a real person. I sat on a aluminum road bike, and I just rode it once around the parking lot. And I'm like, what the hell? This is, <laughs> who rides this for 100 miles? I would rather die. I'd rather chew glass. And I'm like, yeah, I need carbon. I'm sorry, because this this aluminum shit ain't happening. Because it was like riding a jackhammer. So so after the bike, what's the kind of cost for everything else? I mean, this is not a super expensive sport to get into. No, it's not. Because once you have the stuff to it, unless your your dog chews on it, derp, <laughs> or you um, you lose it. I mean, you have your lines. I mean, I suppose you should replace lines once in a while. But I don't, like, mine stay in the garage in a Tupperware. I don't, if they get dirty, I wash them. So the lines are pretty cheap. The harnesses are probably the most expensive thing besides the bike. And, like, the human stuff, like a helmet and bike shorts. Like, I use clipless pedals, which is probably insane. But I did that because I I also ride my mountain bike without the dogs. So I wanted clipless pedals. I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that for a first-time person, but... Like you who have experience, I would I would say use your clipless pedals because you can use them for balance. So like that kind of stuff would cost money, but the harnesses are, I don't know, you can get them for 50 bucks. Okay. So they're not a super expensive. It's not, it's not that expensive. No. And you have, and once you have it, you have it. Yeah. yeah. And the little antenna thing is not super expensive that goes on the front. The yeah. little antenna thing attaches to the front of the bike and that just threads the antenna. The yeah. It's not expensive. And you just, you attach the leash or the, the, well, it's essentially a leash, but the, and it's a bungee, right? It's, is it mostly bungee or all bungee or the line? Um, my lines, my lines have a bungee, but I think people go both ways. You don't have to use the bungee. You could just use a straight line. I like the bungee because if you're running multiple dogs and one get, gives slack, they can then go and not hit the line all of a sudden my okay. you know i have border collies are sensitive i yes. think i think alaskan huskies probably they don't really care the yeah. um the line attaches to the bike around the head tube there's a little i don't know the name of it there's a little webbing that has a metal hook and you just put it through around the head tube or yeah, yeah. and then um 
your line attaches to that and goes through the antenna and the antenna keeps it up out of the front wheel. The, um, that stuff is not expensive. And again, once you own it, you own it. The, the lines can vary in length. There's probably a standard length, but I don't know what it is. And, um, you can get the, the same line if you're going to do canacross versus bike joring. So, I mean, it's really not that expensive to buy the equipment and there's lots of different styles. So it's kind of personal preference. I like, the, I like the bungee and I also really like it for canacross. The, I have a few dogs that pull horribly because I'm not a dog trainer or anything, right? So why would I train my dog not to pull? <laughs> like that's crazy, right? It's cool because once they figure out like my, my canacross line, it's the same length. I hook up Doobie. I have this dog named Dubert, Doobie. She's the worst at pulling and she, she loves to pull. So I'm like, Hey, let's do can across and bike joy. And she loves it. So once they figure out where that bungee allows them to pull a little bit extra, but starts to put tension, they, she doesn't pull on the can across line. Like she, she puts pressure into it, but she doesn't like choke herself trying to die like on a leash. Cause she mm-hmm. knows where the, the end of the line is. I freaking love that thing. I recommend it to clients now. I'm like, if you don't want to train loose leash walking, just use this. <laughs> <laughs> Cheating. <laughs> well, you know, I, you know, I tell, I always tell my students, look, you are the one who lives with your dog. I, society has no light right to tell you what is or isn't right. You live with your dog. If that works for you, then who gives a shit? I mean... <laughs> Like, right, right. You know, why, why should we, this whole idea that we should be all judgy about every single thing is exhausting. You live with your dog. Um, you know, I, I, I have a border collie who jumps on everyone. Maybe I should call a dog trainer. Do I know any? And yeah, <laughs> I'm like, exactly. you know what? she's seven years old. Do I care? No, she doesn't punch people. She's super soft. She's super light. Uh, you know, if she's going to be around somebody elderly, I just, who's going to get mowed down or a child, I put her on a string, ta-da, problem solved. Right. It's just not, exactly. it's not worth the battle. So, you know, I think to each their own. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And it just depends on what fight you're willing to, to the battle that you're willing to have with your dog and whether or not it's worth it. And I totally get taking an alternate route. I don't think there's anything inappropriate about that. I think that totally, that totally gels with my whole philosophy of why make life hard. So, <laughs> okay. Exactly. Well, that was fantastic. Now I need to go buy all this stuff. So yeah. I, I have to go. <laughs> I have to go buy all this stuff. Uh, so yes. anyway, any, any last, any last comments, any last pieces of advice or anything like that before I go get killed? Um, yeah. Let's see. <laughs> Um, I just have fun with your dog and I find it's a way to get out and go new places that I, I love to mountain bike and I love my dogs and now I can do it with, you know, together. Parts of the Arizona trail are doable. They're not, it's not always the best place to ride, but I've had some adventures out places that, you know, I wouldn't have necessarily gone with my dog and I'm, I might've gone with my bike, but now I get to take both. So I find that part cool. And I've met, seriously, I mean, dog people in general are cool, right? Right. I've met some seriously cool people through this. Like, I went to that dryland race. This lady, I had never met her before. She let me borrow two of her dogs to run and lead. Like, I could have killed them. Who lets people borrow dogs? 
That's awesome. Right. She trusted me. And and it was awesome. We learned. She taught us stuff. We learned things. I think it, it was a good experience for Fizz. It was awesome. So I just, like, I think that's the cool thing about dogs and dog sports. Just have fun and meet new people and spread the, spread the word, spread the love. You know, that's well, the and cool it's a part. great outlet for because it is my belief that there are certain, not certain breeds that are really bred to, to pull on stuff. And this constant, you know, why make fights? You know, I have I have dogs who want to herd stuff, so I buy them sheep, but that's expensive and silly. But if you have dogs who want to pull stuff, this is not expensive and silly. You don't have to yeah. change your whole lifestyle. You just buy a right. harness that they can they can legally pull in. And you attach them to yourself, your bike, you know, an ATV with no engine, buy a cart. It doesn't matter. Let that dog have its natural outlet to do what makes it happy, what makes its heart sing. That's why we have dogs is if we watch our dog's heart sing, we cannot help but smile. And it makes yeah, our lives better. It fills our lives with love and, the, and being outside. I'm a big environmentalist. So the more people who are outside enjoying it the more people are going to want to save it. So that's my little yeah. box for the day. <laughs> so, so Fluffy, how can people meet you or uh, connect with you or contact you on social media or any of that stuff? Sure. I am on social media as Fluffy Nicholas and or Journey Agility. And I also have a website, journeyagility.com. And it has my email and phone number. I'm, I'm pretty easy to track down and I'm happy to help if people need advice on harnesses or they want to uh, go out with me. Sometimes it helps to have, you know, another person and dogs going with somebody that's new. I'm willing to help and that's how I started. So, you know, try to share the love. (laughs) So yeah, reach out. Thank you so, so much for joining us today. I really, really appreciate it. I got a lot out of this. You see my notepad. It's all filled up with stuff. And anybody who has any questions, you can reach us on our Facebook page, Your Dog's Best Life Podcast. And we will put uh, Fluffy's contact information on our Facebook page as well. Happy training, and we will see you all later. Thank you all.